0: All right, special, 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 special show today. I feel like the word special gets overused, especially when, like, special guest, special guest. But we actually have a special guest today, and I actually have a special show. Uh, welcome to the SauceCast. This is where finance meets romance we like to say we're their sexiest financial show in the world, only here on Valuetainment, the number one channel in the world for entrepreneurs. And we have a massive, massive entrepreneur in the house with us today. His name is Richard Cooper. He has a, sh- a channel called Entrepreneurs in Cars. You might have seen also Richard Co- Cooper Clips, um, red, red Pill, Manosphere, Thought Leader, I would say more than anything, just encouraging men to be better, stronger cooler, sexier, healthier, wealthier, all the stuff that we stand for here. Uh he's the author of the Unplugged Alpha. We're going to discuss what that means today. And what I like about Richard is and it says this in his on his webpage is that he's the purveyor of the cold hard truth. So we're going to get some of that truth today here on the SAScast. So Richard, uh thank you for being with us today.
1: Thanks Adam, appreciate the intro.
0: Thank you. And I know we were talking a little bit uh, before the show about uh, my energy levels are sometimes very high. You're a very cool, calm, collective, stoic type of dude. So we'll try to meet in the middle today. Maybe I'll take it down a notch. <laughs> Maybe I'll get you laughing and uh, energetic today. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. But Let's rock um, roll, baby. thank you for being here. The lovely Natalia Del Valle is in the house today as well. Hello. From a beautiful female's perspective. Hello. You know, I like to say this is the sexiest financial show. Part of the reason is not all me, it's, it's Nat here as well. And, I, and Nat says, Well, don't forget, Richard Cooper's a pretty good looking dude as well. I was like,
2: Okay. You cool. too, Adam. You Thank good you. Good the looks. You know, the you gray the in the beard. Um,
0: <laughs> but, Richard, I just gave you an introduction. One of the things that we ask all our guests up front is just to understand the basic dynamics of who you are. Uh, would you tell us your relationship status and how you make your money?
1: Okay, so I've got a long-term relationship, and I suppose how I make my money as an entrepreneur, I've always done that for the last uh, 22 years now, I think. Um, I got started in the credit card debt relief business after I left the, the collection industry uh, around, I think it was 28, 29 or so. Mm. And haven't really gone back to work for anybody since. I'm kind of unemployable at this point.
0: <laughs> Get unemployable head. by choice
1: unemployable by choice
0: yeah yeah when it's not your choice that's never a good thing when it's your choice that's actually a very very shrewd good thing Um, well today on today's show I know we got you for about a little over an hour today, so we're gonna go uh, fast effective and we're gonna get some good content for uh, the young men out there that want to improve we're gonna be talking money entrepreneurship what it means to be a man especially in today's society masculinity dealing with modern women relationships dating should you get married, should you not get married? And then uh, if we have time, uh, one of the my favorite clips you've ever done is a clip you did, I believe two years ago, is 19 things your father should have taught you but never did, mm-hmm. uh, and at the end, maybe we can do a little rapid fire with that. Um, mm-hmm. But I wanna start with basically your brand, and just so the audience understands, you wrote a book, it's called The Unplugged Alpha. I would like to know, just so, so everyone's on the same page here, What does it actually mean to be an unplugged alpha?
1: Yeah, so I've identified four quadrants that uh, most guys fit into. Uh, So if you can sort of on your screen draw a big cross on the left-hand side, you've got your uh, alphas on the right-hand side. You've got your betas on the top. They're unplugged. On the bottom, they're plugged in. So you can have a plugged-in alpha. You can have a unplugged alpha, for example. Yeah. Um, I did this longer podcast on my unplugged alpha podcast series. So for those that really want to dive deep into the weeds, they can go look it up. But essentially, the unplugged alpha is the best way to live your life if you want to get everything that you want out of life. Um, most of us start as either plugged-in betas or alphas, and you know you can kind of work up your way from there.
0: Gotcha. And so uh, you know a lot of the stuff with the red pill. Uh, community, the Manosphere, they 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 draw a lot of the uh, metaphors from the Matrix. Uh, I'm i am getting the vibe that this is also basically something from the Matrix when Keanu Reeves has to get unplugged. Is that essentially where this came from?
1: I actually had a guy from my community name the title of the book so I liked it and I ran with
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> so we're not Honest. giving Keanu Reeves a, <laughs> uh, a shout out here. So I guess I understand fully the difference between Alpha and beta, and there's different types of, of uh, pier- the, the pyramid of uh, uh, of masculinity. You know, you've got alpha, beta, sigma, omega, gamma, all these types of of types of men out there. Uh, but clarify, what does it mean to be plugged in or unplugged? That's something I'd like to unpack a little bit. Well, when you're
1: plugged in, you're sort of sleepwalking through life, right? Mm. You kind of comply with everything they tell you to do. These are all the people that you saw where face diapers stand on their dots and comply with everything they told us to do the last few years, right? Those that sort of questioned and leaned back and said, well, hold on a second. Let me just see what this is all about. Let me just look at some numbers. Let me evaluate the situation. That's what an unplugged guy sort of does. So Mm. um, it's really the difference between, you know, being at the helm of your own ship and basically being a uh, dead fish floating downstream
0: so the obviously the, this is as poignant as ever this unplugged metaphor especially so. during covid because you know the face diaper analogy uh but prior to covid it was maybe a little bit harder to distinguish who was plugged in who was not plugged in right because it, it kind of mm-hmm. kind of became very clear who's questioning the rules that are kind of coming down, you know, trust the science, all this stuff that's happened and transpired over the last couple of years. But prior to that, how would you define someone being plugged in or unplugged from the matrix, so to speak?
1: Yeah, I think your analogy there is is spot on because the the scam demic really highlighted those that 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 were part of the problem, part of the system, and those that kind of ask questions. Um, you know, prior to that, it's your guys, you know, your conventional guys that would sit around during the holidays when he was getting browbeat by his wife and just sit there and go, well, happy wife, happy life, golly gee, you know, mm-hmm. those are your standard sort of plugged in sort of guys, right? They, they, they just subscribe to the narrative that's been sold to them their entire lives through a steady diet of, you know, Disney films and Hollywood and media consumption and all that sort of stuff.
0: When did you become unplugged officially?
1: Um, for me it was a, a rather lengthy process. I would say there was three things that happened. The first was my divorce, hmm. um, which was well over a decade ago now. And uh, you don't really get what you kind of expect. I, mean, I think most guys that get divorced are just like, well, that was like taking a, a frying pan to the forehead. I didn't expect it to go that way or it to sort of operate that way because We've kind of been told our entire lives that men and women are equal and, you know, we should treat everybody the same sort of thing. But that's not what you really get when you go through the divorce machine. So that was the first thing that sort of started to slap my uh, face. I guess the second thing was um, a bit of legislation that came down the pipeline when I was still running my debt business around 2010 to 2013, I think it was. Um, And that was the banks and the credit card companies that made a coordinated and concerted effort to uh, eliminate options that helped Canadian consumers get out of credit card debt, um, which was a big surprise because you'd think, you know, you've been told your entire life the government's there to sort of take care of you. You vote for them, they're going to provide you with roads, they're going to provide you with services and things that will allow you to live the best possible life that you can. But through this lobbying effort, I discovered, nope, that's not how they work. Uh, and I guess the third thing was after my divorce, I got involved with this gal for about three years that was a single mom with a couple of kids. And, uh, you know, a few things happened that typically happen to most guys during their relationships with women that happened to me. And I was just like, okay, I got to get my head screwed on right. You know, there's all these things that keep happening to me in my life that sort of uh, destroy my safe world theory. And it's nobody else's fault but mine because I'm an ownership guy. I always say, you know, do the work. And I sort of had to dive down this rabbit hole of asking questions and, you know, Answers came to me when I started asking
0: questions. Gotcha. So, uh, give me the final question with the plugged and unplugged. Give me the biggest benefit of being unplugged, and give me the biggest, I guess, disadvantage of being plugged in.
1: Well, I, I guess the biggest benefit is you live life on your terms. Yeah. You know, you can be, then become the best version of yourself. Um, you're at the helm of your own ship. Being plugged in, you're just like everybody else. You're like about ninety five percent of the population, to be honest with you. Mm. Yeah, you know, most people are plugged into society's lies.
0: Well, how do you
3: know you're when? At what point do you realize, um, like, you're plugged in?
1: You don't because Mm. you're plugged in. Right. So how does someone like? It's usually it's usually chaos or trauma. So for a lot of guys, it's holy crap, uh, I didn't think my wife would cheat on me because we took vows together mm. to love and to hold and sickness and health and richer and poor. Why did she start banging Kevin from sales, right? <laughs> um, so it's some form Kevin. of chaos that usually breaks a safe world theory for them that they subscribe to. Mm. And then that, and then it forces them to realize, okay, there's there's some new information that I need to take in here.
0: Mm. All right, last question on this is... Uh... What's step one to getting unplugged? You know how they say, like, in the 12 steps, the first thing is realizing that I do have a problem or whatever it may be. What's step one to getting unplugged?
1: It's, well, step one is kind of two steps. It's, you've got to see the world for what it is. And then you've, like, you've got to see everybody else's bullshit. And then you have to see your bullshit. Mm. Right? Mm
0: never fun to have to look in the mirror and be like buddy you are you are plugged in you're 20 pounds overweight you're broke as shit you're not that good looking and you're not that cool you're not in high school anymore Mm -hmm. so it's kind of hard to yeah well if you watch
1: any of my call-in segments for my podcast a lot of guys are like but i'm a high-value guy and it's like um no you make fifty thousand dollars a year and you look like you're about 50 60 pounds overweight it's like let's maybe start with that first
2: Mm.
0: uh first step is recognizing the problem all right cool Let's move on. I'll kind of being that you know our channel, the foundation of our channel, is entrepreneurship, capitalism, business owners. You know, being unplugged and doing things on your own terms rather than kind of going with the system. And obviously, your channel, entrepreneurs and cars. There's a lot of uh, simpatico going on there. I kind of you know I I would say ninety percent of our audience are young men, twenties, thirties, what have you. I'm in my early forties. I kind of look at myself as like a big brother to some of these guys, right? Like mm-hmm. 10 years younger than me. Are you late forties, early fifties? How old are you right now?
1: Yeah, we can say late forties, early fifties. Okay. I've yeah. I've gotten to the point where I realize it's better to keep information about me as private as possible. So I don't gotcha. give away stuff like that. I
0: so yeah. what, where I, I understand that. Where I'm gonna go with this is, There's I kind of look at you as like, <laughs> as a, as an uncle, Right. Whereas more, I'm more of a big brother. You're more of an uncle. But uh, the point is, I'm I'm someone who looks at you as like I want to get to where Richard is at. And there's young guys that look at me as like I want to get to where it's Adam's at. There's levels to this. So where I want to kind of go here is, real quickly, is uh, goals. Whether it's um, financial, dating, and life goals. Real quick, in your opinion, what goals should a man reach by age thirty? by age 40 and by age 50 so let's start with the first one a guy in their 20s where should they try to reach goals uh financial dating and life goals by age 30 then we'll go down the line
1: um so as far so as far as life goals i mean you got to get your health sorted out i mean if you can't if you can't live in a healthy masculine strong body you're not going to fix your mind there's there's too many guys walking around carrying way too much weight they're either obese or morbidly obese. There's there's somewhere on the scale where they just are not fit. I mean, if you get out of the shower and you look down and you can't see your Johnson, you got weight to lose. And there's a <laughs> lot of dudes in their 20s that need to fix that first. Mm-hmm. So that would be the number one thing that I would say is get your health right. And the, you have no excuse for it in your 20s. Literally in your 20s, um, most guys, even when I was growing up, our fitness regime, you know, included eating a bag of doritos, smoking a joint, pounding back a protein shake and going right. to the gym. There is no reason why you cannot get fit in your 20s. Your metabolism can adapt to pretty much anything that you eat. You should be able to get fit. As far as money goes, I tell guys and I get heat for this. I tell guys you should aim to be a millionaire by the time you're 30. I'm um, mm. be like having a million dollars sounds like money to some people or sounds like a lot of money to some people but I really don't think they understand or even comprehend how little money a, a million dollars is in today's world mm-hmm. and will even I mean if you're a 20 year old that's aiming to be a millionaire by the time you're 30 that's gonna be even less significant in 10 years by the time you're 30 right? so I tell guys become a millionaire by the time you're 30 at the very least hit it by the time you're 40 by the time you're 50 you should be a multi-millionaire mm-hmm. right so there's work to do there um, so we had health goals, we had financial goals. What was the other one?
0: Dating, relationship goals by age 30.
1: Yeah, so um, I subscribe to the notion that men really shouldn't spend a lot of time in long-term committed relationships in their 20s. They should figure out what women are all about, date, um, probably not invite a woman into their life on a permanent basis, definitely don't live with a woman. Um, In your 20s. And then by the time you're in your 30s, then you can start asking yourself questions like, do I wanna have kids? Do I wanna raise a family? Do I wanna do this married? Do I not wanna get married? Do I wanna do this in North America or somewhere else that I might wanna do this and sort of weigh out the risk factors and then sort of start planning for that. Um, Ideally, I mean, you know, if you wanna have kids, I would say aim for mid 30s, likely. I mean, if you leave it too late, you're gonna be an old father and you're gonna have uh, pretty low energy. So um, that's something that you sort of have to contemplate. You know as far as your dating goals some guys can go well into the 30s and 40s and do whatever they want you know they'll just date a bunch of women spin some plates uh, they'll be monogamous they'll be non-monogamous you can do whatever you want in the world you know the whole point of unplugging from society's lies is to pick a path follow it and do what serves you
0: yeah uh, the the last part you said uh, very, definitely resonated with this Which 42 one? year old over here who's been living in South Beach for mm-hmm. most of his life spinning plates making money having yeah. fun but uh, you know uh, oftentimes it's the people closest to you, especially in your 30s. When you hit late 30s, the mother, the grandmother, the father, the cousin, the uncle. When are you gonna get Adam, married, Adam? When are you gonna get married, Adam? When are you do this. It's like you have no you idea how much up fun I'm having. down, and have a family. Exactly. It's like you guys all look miserable out there. You're trying to tell me, bring me into misery. As they say, misery loves company. Richard, I'm gonna give you that, actually. slight agreement and slight pushback on something that you just said. So you but, said, obviously in your 20s, get in shape. You know, I was that dude at like 27, 28, that was a little out of weight, and this is the problem with a lot of people, is you make excuses. I would say things like, I don't trust someone who's 30 and has abs. What the hell kind of time do you have? You have abs at age 30? It's like, yeah, now I'm 42 and I'm working on on get, like, I have abs now. Because it's just an excuse. It's like, well, I'm working. I'm too busy for abs. It's an excuse. So I, I fully agree with you that in your 20s, health is wealth, for sure. And then as far as like getting married, Unless you're the anomaly, exception to the rule, don't even think about getting married by age 30. You might have a girlfriend. That's cool. I get it. kind of got to understand women. Where I kind of want to give you a little bit of like, I don't know, how realistic is it for someone by age 30 to become a millionaire? Meaning, that should be a goal. Hell yeah, I became a millionaire at age 35. And it took me a lot of time, a lot of effort. But keep in mind, in my early 20s, I was bullshitting, wasting a lot of time. So we're in a full agreement that that should be a goal. I guess my question is, how realistic is it for a young man to become a millionaire by age 30 today? I think it's entirely
1: realistic, but why can't you pick bigger goals? Mm. That's the problem is, you know, you're thinking anyway, so why not think bigger? Like, why are people setting small goals from themselves? Like, I want to be worth $100,000 by the time they're 30. A million dollars is not that much money. It's not that hard to make right? Hmm. Uh, you're not going to make it if you're working at the local grocery store stocking shelves. Uh, now, if you're clever and you go about your life in such a way where you're not goofing off with your late teens and your early 20s and you sort of set the groundwork for your life, you can go out there and build a business and make great money. I know lots of 30-year-olds that are millionaires.
0: Yeah. Ha- th- this mindset you have, is it's like, you strike me as a type of dude that's like, yeah, thanks for the excuses, buddy. Get to work. That- that's the kind right. of guy that that you remind me of. Uh did you is that something that you've always had or is that something that you needed to learn and then follow up is at what age did you become a millionaire? Yeah,
1: that's a great question. So, I didn't hit it at 30. I probably hit it around 33, 34, or so. Mm. Um so like when you hold yourself to higher standards, you will get greater results. Like um I don't, I don't follow the whole t- Tony Robbins, rah, rah, rah sort of thing. But one of the things that he said that's always resonated with me is if you want to get better results out of life, hold yourself to higher standards. Hold the people around you to greater standards. And, you know, if you set the bar in the sand here, then you're probably going to hit something around here. But if you set the bar in the sand up over here, you're going to do a lot better and have a better chance of getting to that. So mm-hmm. holding yourself to higher standards is not that complicated of a thing to do. You just have to go and do it. It's like when I tell guys, like, why do you surround yourself with losers? If you surround yourself with five fat, broke, dumb people that are doing nothing with their lives, you're going to be the six. Yeah. Unplug from that mess of losers that you hang out with and surround yourself with better people. Put yourselves in better rooms.
0: I fully agree with you. And uh, two points that I'll, that, I'll, that I'll give you credit on, which I fully agree with, Richard, it's that your network is your net worth, who you're surrounding 100%. yourself with, and then setting loftier goals. So one of the best things that, that, that has happened in my life is 10 years ago, I met Patrick Bett David, my CEO, business partner, friend, mentor, working out in the gym, ironically, at a financial mm-hmm. conference. Uh, and Natalia's family has known Pat for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think very highly of her family. She could speak to that. Two things with that. Uh, he says, you should set lofty goals and you should reach 80% of them. Why 80? Because if you reach 100% of them, your goals weren't lofty enough. Mm-hmm. You should kind of get crazy and be like, I agree. holy shit, I can't believe I reached that. Mm-hmm. But if you reached 100%, it's like, well, maybe your goals weren't uh, crazy enough, mm-hmm. right? And then number yeah. two, uh, you know, we had this conversation with the comedian Brian Callen yesterday yeah. uh, who's I'm a, a big fan of, great guy. Um, He's hilarious. He yeah. said, um, you know, Pat says, you know, you, you talk about, you, you know, you are, you are the uh, accumulation of, the, or the Uh, of the five people you surround yourself with, right? And Pat goes, Mm. yeah, is it really five or is it one? Meaning of the five, is there one who really, their words and their actions carry the most weight? And for me, that's Pat, right? Like I have a network of five people but I'm so lucky to have a guy like Pat in my life, just like I'm sure there's a lot of young men that are counting their blessings. They have Richard Cooper in their life. So is it really five or is it one that kind of has the, the biggest influence over you? Yeah, I think when you're
1: younger, you probably spend time with different sized groups. But again, I mean, the person you spend the most time with, you will probably become something like a carbon copy of what they're like. Or you take yourself and their, them, you kind of average you know, yourselves out. That's where you're going to end up. That's why it's incredibly important to be discerning in your taste with friends that you surround yourself, with women that you decide to invite into your life. It's really important, and it's something that a lot of guys get wrong. They just, you know, when it comes to women, it's the first girl that touches her pee-pee. Oh, she touches my pee-pee. I'm going to go get married to her now. It's (laughs) like they have no experience, and they have no idea what they're doing, right? Um, You have to be discerning in your taste, and nobody tells kids this. This isn't something that they educate kids with in school. Most parents don't really do it because they never really did it themselves. That's where we're at today.
0: Yeah, of course. They, they, I wish they had a class. What should you do with the first girl that touches your peepee? <laughs> Mary, yeah, exactly. no, do not do that. All right, Wouldn't so that that's, be great? <laughs> that's great advice for young men by the age of 30. Let's take it a step further. Now uh, you're 32, you're 35, you've been working, you're making your money, you've, you've dated women, you've kind of had some success. Now all of a sudden the, the weird age 40 is coming up, right? What advice do you have for guys in their 30s Uh, that they need to set goals by the time they reach 40? Where should they be in their life, in your opinion?
1: Okay, well, we've covered health and we've covered wealth. So what else is there that we want to cover as far as love?
0: Just, Just money, life, and dating goals by 40. Same question, I guess, as the first time, but now you're 10 years older.
1: Well, I think health and wealth is pretty much universal given how society operates. And, you know, your health is either going to be on point or it's going to be on the decline, right? Yep. Um, as far as what you wanna do with your love life, that really depends on what you wanna do with your life love life. There's guys that I know that have said, you know, women aren't worth it, it's not worth my time to invest in this, so I'm just gonna check out and do what I want, and that's fine. There's other guys that say that they want a family, there's other guys that just wanna, you know, run through a bunch of girls, and all of that's fine too. Decide what you want to do and then sort of set a plan and then guide yourself in the right direction. It's going to help you achieve the goals while minimizing risk in your life, especially if you're going to invite a woman in your life and try to raise a family. I have a chapter in my book about why smart smart men don't marry. So Mm. I'm not a fan of marriage, but some people want to have a family. So you have to sort of contemplate that. That seems to be the goal of most young men today still is got to go get married, got to have a family, right?
0: Yeah, I think – well – If you look at US life expectancy from 1960, let's say, people were lucky to live to age 70, lucky. Now, life expectancy in Western society, Western civilization is late 70s, early 80s, and that's like basic. If you take good care of yourself, you know, my grandma's 90, Mm. you know, our our friend's uh, grandfather that I was talking about earlier is 99. You could live to age 90, 100, No problem in today's society so as far as marriage goals and these life goals you know there used to be a point in your life where 40 you were that that's midlife crisis time Mm -hmm. now these days some of my like most fun friends are guys my age late 30s early 40s millions in the bank spinning Mm -hmm. plates like crazy living in miami vacationing in the summer it's just a different lifestyle these days with modern medicine you know the internet, global sexual marketplace, you could still have a lot of fun in your 40s is what I'm saying. You're no longer an old man. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Nat jokes that I'm getting a little gray. You've got a great beard. I like But it. gray's kind of sexy, no, yeah, Nat? Yeah,
3: gray is. I like gray.
0: What do you think about Richard's yeah. beard right there?
3: I was thinking about that when we yeah, first saw it. Yeah, you can't stop it. thinking yeah, about it. I know. A, I like the gray. I think gray <laughs> is uh, shows a little bit of your wiseness. Oh. Um, but that, that's always confirmed once they open their mouth. You know? Yeah,
0: sometimes. <laughs> uh, no, that I think that's great advice for men in their 30s. And, and reaching 40, I'm going to flip it just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know that, uh, you know, you and I are not women. I know it's easy to identify as women these days. Yeah, Natalia a woman. <laughs> um, if I can give give the ladies some advice, maybe goals that women should look out for by the time they're 30 and by the time they're 40 in your experience. Mm.
1: All right, well, women are a different conversation, my friend. I know. We need a different show for this one. Yeah. <laughs> um, again, so, I mean, if I was giving advice to my daughter, it would be to uh, preserve her femininity and her beauty. Mm. Uh, men are success objects. They always have been to women, and women are beauty slash sex objects to men. Mm-hmm. They always have been to men. So, Now, that doesn't really comply with the narrative with society today because women have been told for decades now, you don't need no man. A woman needs a man like a fish needs a bicycle, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. Climb the corporate ladder, get degrees, frame them in mahogany with little letters after your name and go chase excellence. Mm -hmm. And then by the time they get to 40, they're wondering where all the good guys are and their eggs are drying up and they're starting to freak out. It even happens by the time they're getting close to 30, if we're being honest. So I think women sort of – I mean, I hate to say it, but – they don't pay much attention to this stuff because mm-hmm. women kind of have a free ride. Cause when you're young and you're beautiful, everybody gives you attention. Yeah. Yep. Even when you're older, there's lots of 30, 40, 50 year old women today that get loads of attention from guys. If they're even half, you know, half decent looking. Mm-hmm. Um, so they don't need to contemplate these things. I mean, most of the time when women ask me this question, it's because they're past their prime and they're late thirties, early forties, sometimes fifties, and they're asking for help. And it's like, I don't have a time machine Mm
2: -hmm. what we need
1: to do is put you in a time machine back to when you're 20 and talk about not running through 100 guys not you know partying not wasting your youth uh getting different degrees climbing the corporate ladder if your goal was to have a family um you know for some women they might just say never want to have a family i'm not fertile i'm never going to be fertile so i just want to chase excellence so you kind of you know sort of the same sort of conversation that you know we're talking about with guys they have to get serious about the path they're on i don't think men or women take much time or consideration planning their life path.
0: Yeah, I think it's such a powerful point because, you know, I'm at the phase of my life where I know a lot of women in their late 30s, early 40s that I've grown up with, right? And some of these women were the hottest girls in school, and now they're Mm -hmm. single, right? And I'm also at the phase of my life where I still hang out with women in their 20s, right? Just kind of out there. It's a terrible life. (laughs) Yeah, living in South Beach, going to nightlife, 20-year-olds. You don't want this life, Richard, I'm telling you. This ain't for the week of You should hang your head in shame. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So, you know, know, there's this whole debate these days of, like, are men and women the same? Are we different? Are we equal? Are we not? I I I don't think there's any doubt that men and and women are, quote-unquote, equal. But I will say they we are definitely different. And one of the most poignant examples of that is what I think – I think is that a a man can afford the luxury of BSing his way through his 20s. You know, make some mistakes, sleep with the wrong girl, date with the wrong girl, take the wrong job, this, that, the other. Next thing you know, you're 27, you're 28, you're 32. You still have time to recover. A woman does not have that luxury, biologically speaking. Mm -hmm. A woman who messes around with the wrong relationship, wrong job, wrong career, they go to school. Next thing you know, they're 27, they're 29, they're 33. Next thing you know, they're 35. They can't necessarily have babies anymore. And everything, whether it's a man or a woman, it it comes down to who do you want to be? And I think that 80% of men and women, this is my opinion, no stats to back this up, I think that the majority of men and women do want to have someone in their life and do want to have kids, whether that's getting married under the government or not. I think that most men and women do want to have someone in their life and especially Women want to have kids. Mm-hmm. So to your point, you can't go back into a time machine when you're 34, when you're 37, you're 42. All you can do is learn from people that are older than you mm-hmm. and learn from their mistakes. So whether it's a podcast like this or whether it's asking a woman, you know, who's 40 years old, be like, are you happy with your life? Mm-hmm. You know, women really have to kind of make these decisions a lot sooner than men and value who they're dating a lot sooner than uh, what men are doing. Like you're, let's just say, in your 40s, late late 40s, good-looking man. What experience have you seen with women in their 40s saying, Richard, I wish I would have met you 10 years ago, five years ago. I wish I would have heard this before. What experience do you have from women in that regard?
1: Well, you know, Cindy Lauper covered it. Girls just want to have fun. <laughs>
0: you know,
2: they just. <laughs>
1: You know, yeah. they've spent their 20s and they're sometimes even a good part of their 30s just having fun. Mm. Yeah, And they don't, you know, they don't think about these consequences. And why would they? You know, they've been told to go have fun. They've told, you know, they've been told to be promiscuous. They've been told to behave like men. They've been told to get degrees and climb corporate ladders. They've been told to put off having a family. They've been told freeze your eggs. They've been told we've got science that can fix all of this. Mm. Right. So why wouldn't they just go and have fun? Right.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, by the way, th- this strikes a major chord with me. This girls just want to have fun. Because my whole thing is, you're familiar with the KISS principle, keep it simple, stupid, just Course. break down things that and just simplify them. So I've simplified what I call the circle of life. And I should probably do a visualization of this. But in my opinion, there's four phases of life, right? Hear me out. So at the top of the list is guys want girls. Men just want women. Girls, step two, girls, girls just want to have fun, right? Like you just said, Cindy Lauper, yeah. girls just want to have fun. You go to any club, Cyndi Lauper comes on, girls, stop what they're doing, congregate, dance, (laughs) girls, just want to have, we've all seen it before. We've all lived that life. Now, here's the funny (laughs) thing about fun. Fun, fun costs money. This is number three. Fun costs money, whether it's a date, whether it's a trip, whether it's a vacation, hell, whether it's a picnic, you still need to bring things to the picnic, okay? You got to put shit in the picnic basket, okay? (laughs) So fun costs money, and this leads me to number four, men, men need to make money, Men need to make money so they can afford the fun. Now you might ask yourself, how does this become the circle of life? Well, because at the other end of the circle, why do men need to make money? Because, we go back to number one, because guys just want girls. And their circle of, the, uh, of life right there, because guys want girls, girls just want fun, fun costs money, men didn't make money, because guys want girls so your answer couldn't be more appropriate let me transition every single to- adam
1: out of every single guy that i know that's in their 50s or 60s that's a multi-billionaire you know they've got tens of millions hundreds of millions of dollars they all say the same thing i wish i had more of this money when i was younger
2: mm-hmm. again
1: this is why i'm telling guys chase excellence not women aim to be a millionaire by the time you're 30 right
0: mm-hmm. what's the famous it, quote get as close as you can the famous quote what is it youth is wasted on the young mm-hmm. what is that yeah
1: it is. So. But yeah. isn't there also, it quick.
3: there's also like a little bit of, I would say, bad to that. Because I feel like if you give men or they have access to money at such a young age, there is also a higher chance that they waste it on things like that.
2: Yeah, You know, because a lot
3: of time, like those women who just want to have fun, they're not really long term women. So I think essentially, even though men are making money, maybe a little bit later, I think they become a little bit more mature and wiser so that the money becomes a little bit more like valued and not wasted on some of those girls who just want to Well, have there's
0: a famous quote Well, out I think there. when it comes okay. to
1: money, and from my experience in my debt business, that men are more prudent with the financial resources than women are.
3: Mm. Oh. Right. But don't you think women also can be a little bit more persuasive for men to spend that money?
1: Oh, women are very good at extracting resources <laughs> right. from men, let's be honest. Yeah. Right.
0: Yeah. The the uh, what's the famous quote regarding money uh, is that a man with money meets a man with experience. The man with the money walks away with an experience. The man with experience walks away with the money. Oh, there right. up the lesson. There you go, right there. You there you go. I like. By that. the way, can I borrow twenty bucks from you real quick? Um. Yeah. Let me just. Yeah. Okay. No. yeah that never happens. Okay. <laughs> that never happens. All yeah. right. So chase excellence, not women. This is a theme that is pervasive in the manosphere and the Red Pill community. Fully advocate that. What does that actually mean to you? Because the reason I ask that is because it's so easy to say chase excellence, not women. Agreed. But how? I guess what's the balance with that? It's like when I was 18, 19, 20, 21, 24, 25, fuck, 42, I want a chick in my life. I want to get laid. I want to get paid. I want to get laid. So how do you balance the chasing the excellence but also having women in your life?
1: Well – women sort of come as a byproduct when you're a top shelf guy, aren't you? Mm-hmm. Right. I, I mean, when you can make money, when you can make it rain, when you're a competent guy, when you're skilled in life, you now also have status, which we also know women really like a lot. Mm-hmm. And you're also captivating, generally speaking, mm-hmm. right. Cause now you do interesting things. You're not uh, sitting on your lawn chair on the front porch. You're on your 50 foot yacht. You're in your private plane. You're, you know, like you're traveling, like you're doing cool, cool stuff. So mm-hmm chasing excellence kind of deals with a lot of the gal problems. I'm not saying it solves it. Like you still need to understand game. You still have to unplug from the bullshit and the matrix and all that sort of stuff. Um, but it but it solves a good part of it. And having money, like you can apply money to a lot of problems in your life and fix them mm. if you know what you're doing.
0: That's true. Last couple of money questions and we'll transition to uh, more relationship and dating stuff, which I know you have strong opinions on. Uh, what's the best money advice that you've ever received, Richard Cooper?
3: Mm. And from who?
1: Good question. Uh best money advice I ever received was. Um...
0: Don't tell ya not tell me I stumped you on this question. You're...
1: No, you stumped me on this one. Oh, nice. I'm, <laughs> because I'm trying to think which which piece of advice I like the best. Mm-hmm. You know what? I'm gonna go with what my old man said. He said, mm-hmm. He said, "Love, love people, not money. Mm-hmm. Never do it the other way around. I love
0: not that. Not love money and fuck people. <laughs> yeah, no, I
3: don't. <laughs> that's what
1: that's what most people do. They do it the other way around. Yes, yeah.
3: I love
0: that. Well, you know, there's a famous phrase, uh, FBGM. You know what that stands for? No.
1: FB. Tell me.
0: Fuck bitches <laughs> get money. Um, yeah. Okay, fuck bitches, sure. Big Pop said that I believe at one point. Um, Career advice, you know, you said unplugging from the matrix. I assume you're not a fan of traditional nine to fives. We have a lot of entrepreneurs that uh, watch our channel, watch your channel. Um, You know, I made my money in financial sales. I haven't worked a nine to five in forever. There's a lot of people out there with side hustles, the gig economy. Uh, Mm -hmm. What's your advice for just the average young man out there getting a job in the, the workforce uh, that's yeah. trying to unplug, make money, but at the same time balance their life so they actually have a job and they're not broke just doing side hustles their whole life.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, this is a wheelhouse I spend a lot of time in. I have a course right now, the School of Entrepreneurship as well too. So mm-hmm. there's really six paths to serious wealth. The first is a C-suite job, CEO, CTO, CFO. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to have to work your way up. There's very few of those. It's, it's like a pyramid. There's a lot of people at the bottom and there's only a handful of people at the top. So yeah. the chances you get there, exist, but they're more remote. The second way is a professional designation, doctor, lawyer, accountant. Something where you go to school for several years, you get your degree, you're now a board certified surgeon and you're in demand, go make you know loads of money um actor musician or influencer would be the third one um look if you're an influencer with 10 million followers like there's a reason why dan bilzerian is able to fly around the world he's got gorgeous gals with him all the time and he's selling vape pens or weed or whatever it is that he's doing uh having an audience is powerful so whether you're a a musician or an actor you make a lot of money high-end sales um, this is one that gets away from a lot of people because when you most guys go into sales, they're doing something basic. They're knocking on doors or selling, uh, you know, plans to get your driveway resealed or something like that. If you're going to sell, it's almost the same amount of work. Why not sell high end stuff with a higher commission rate? High end real estate, yachts, private jets, expensive cars. That's the kind of stuff that I would recommend. Uh, the next would be uh, something in STEM—science, technology, engineering, math. Most people know about this. Mm. A lot of these jobs pay very well. I've got a, f- a few guys in my community that are part of the Fang companies. Um, they'll make eight, nine hundred thousand dollars a year. They get paid very, very well. And the last, and my favorite, is entrepreneurship, because it offers you the most flexibility and freedom. We saw what happened over the last couple of years with the scam where they made people take experimental jabs, they made people stand on dots and wear face diapers. I did none of that. Okay, there were people that were messaging me losing their fucking mind. I'm gonna get fired if I don't do this. I have a family to feed. What do I do, rich? Da, 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 da. It's like, what do you want me to tell you? You know, you signed up for working for somebody else. Like, yeah. this is the way things go when you sign up for that. So, those would be the main ways to make serious money.
0: Yeah, I, I actually had to kind of figure that out. Uh, every man has to figure that out for sure in their life. And I was going down the path of the designation, I was gonna almost go to law school. Mm -hmm. Um, which is kind of an obligatory uh, conversation you have to have yourself as a Jewish uh, young man, is like, do I go to law school or med school? You know, that whole thing, because it's your mom's in your ear. And I realized that I don't like the sight of blood, and I fucking barely like reading boring stuff, (laughs) so law school wasn't for me. (laughs) So I got into sales. And the problem that I had is my first job, I worked for Clear Channel, which is now iHeartMedia, and I was selling airtime. And I, I fully agree with what you're saying is like, if I could just apply the skills that I'm learning how to sell radio spots, let me extrapolate that and learn how to sell, what you know, big ticket items or more expensive exotic financial products. It's the same work. It's the same uh, amount of time. It's the same skill set you have to develop as a salesperson, mm-hmm. but you can make ten times the money. So when I went from making maybe fifty, hundred grand, at a best case scenario selling airtime, and all of a sudden I'm making a quarter, a half a million, if not more. Doing financial sales, it's the exact same, you know, uh, work ethic, but you, yeah, just the the, exactly. the the commissions are that much higher. So totally understand. That's that. the thing that
1: that most guys don't realize is that a job is an acronym, and it's an acronym for just over broke. Mm-hmm. A salary is a drug that they give you to get you to forget about your dreams. I think this is uh, Kevin O'Leary's words, right? Um, you will not achieve extreme wealth getting up in the morning doing everything that 90% of the population does, punching your clock, doing your job, coming home and repeating it, and then taking your two weeks vacation or four weeks vacation, or whatever it is that you happen to get. That's just the way the world works.
0: Yeah, well said. Just over broke, Mm. shit. Um,
1: That's how they get you, right? That's
0: how they get you. Mm. Damn plugged in matrix, son of a. (laughs) Um,
1: Tools of the matrix. Go out and take on the debt. Take the car loans, get the mortgage. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Shut up and go to work and pay
0: your taxes. Shut up and go to work. So, speaking of the matrix, Speaking of what a man needs to do, I kind of want to talk about this concept of masculinity, toxic masculinity, and the face, quote-unquote, I don't know if you could see me, air quotes, of toxic masculinity. A man we have both interviewed uh, is Andrew Tate. So um, what was your experience like interviewing Andrew Tate? Because I think you were one of the last few people that interviewed him right before The Matrix. Matrix brought him down and... uh, in my opinion, fraudulently arrested him for alleged crimes. We say alleged. What was your biggest experience or biggest takeaway interviewing Tate?
1: Well, I really like Andrew. I mean, I came across him in 2017. I wasn't too sure about him Mm. at that time. He was kind of like, yeah, you know, and he knows this, you know, I've had this conversation with him, but I like him for different reasons than other people like him. Like most guys sort of look up to him. They sort of worship him sort of thing. He's a top G, blah, blah, blah. But I find him hilarious. I think he's got a fantastic sense of humor. Uh if you haven't watched him interviewed on your mom's house with Tom Segura, watch it. You'll be oh, laughing. Hilarious. Face off. Um especially the way he interacted with
0: uh Tom's wife. Exactly. Yeah. Amazing.
1: And he's a huge car guy. Like all of my private conversations with him are mostly around cars. Yeah. Exotic cars, doing rallies, getting together, doing something at some point, you know, in that space. So um I don't know what's going on in Romania. I haven't seen yeah. the evidence. It it seems like a witch hunt. Like, who knows how it's going to end? But yeah. I guess we'll find out. What is it? It's, uh, it's the 20th, so we'll find out in the next 10 days You know what the deal is.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, by the way, witch hunt is a, a perfect terminology for that. By the way, I have this question right here, and it's, uh, what color is your Bugatti, Rich Cooper?
1: <laughs> I don't have a Bugatti, but I have a McLaren, and it's I, do, I, I like, like McLaren. Much.
0: I knew nice. that. He's like,
1: sorry <laughs> about the Bugatti, the McLaren. I've actually seen you do a clip of... I actually asked him, what color is
0: the Bugatti? But I don't think he knew the paint code. (laughs) It's like an off-orange bronze. But I've actually seen you... It's like a copper-orange, yeah. uh, Mm. Imitate, whether it's Tate or whether it was your own spin on it, you said, what color is your McLaren? And then you're like, oh, by the way, I'm with 50 other dudes that have McLarens as well. Your network is your net worth. Surround yourself with powerful people. That was pretty impressive. I like that. Um, What do you think... So speaking of the masculinity, what do you think is hurting young men the most these days that's limiting their uh masculinity
1: oh man there's a lot um you know i did a podcast the other day with um dr anthony J. he wrote this interesting book called estrogeneration he kind of goes down Mm. all of these sources of environmental estrogens that are lowering men's testosterone levels and increasing estrogen levels and the subtitle of his book is why you're fat sick and infertile today sort of thing so that's, so that's one of the most interesting components. Like we were kind of getting in the weeds and we were talking about water and, you know, it got to the point that a lot of source of, source of environmental estrogens comes from uh, city water lines because women are, are mostly on birth control. They pee that into the uh, sewage system. Sewage systems can clean out large particles, but it can't clear out hormones. So there's estrogens in the water. And if you're drinking tap water, you're now drinking estrogens. So I said to him, I go, do they know that this is in the water? And he said, yeah, they know. I've I've, I've visited these places. You know, we've talked about it. They know there's estrogen in the water. So the government knows that there's estrogenics in the water and that it is softening society. Um, is it intentional? I don't know. You know, let's put on a tinfoil hat. And we can go down for a road trip on that one. Wow. But there's lots of things that are softening men. I think guys aren't, guys aren't taking ownership for their lives. They've been told, you know, to just basically comply. You know, do what everybody's told you to do. Just be a nice guy, go to school, get a job, you know, do the right thing. By the way, they tell men and women different things. They tell guys, you know, do the right thing. They, they tell women, you do what's right for you, girl, right? Mm-hmm. So guys get this narrative that's been beaten into them pretty much their entire lives where they've been softened. And it's no wonder why you see so many guys right now walking around in their 20s with female breast tissue. Like they they are just soft, round versions of... of Men that, uh, you know, their grandfathers would be rolling in their grave if they knew about it, right?
3: Mm. What's your
0: experience with doing these soft men? uh...
3: Um, I've come across a few. I mean, I'll be honest, like, as a woman, when you meet that, like, it is, I could see why women find that comforting. Because sometimes those manly men can be a little bit aggressive to women. So that's why that type of soft men is almost embraced by women
0: yeah but those soft men end up in the no, friend zone right exactly right, right. Yeah. those soft
3: men have so you want to get them a hold, low, you're not trying to
0: fuck them though
3: I, well i don't do that but, okay um yes. but yes well, you wouldn't well, i wouldn't look at them in a way of marriage birth
1: control too though right say, say that again because when women are on hormonal birth control they like softer guys oh. right so one of the problems that women end up with when they get married is okay maybe they're on hormonal Birth control dating the guy leading up to the marriage. They like him. You know, Tim's a nice, soft guy. He buys her flowers, texts her in the morning, hey, babe, how you doing, sort of thing. Mm. And then she comes off hormonal birth control when they get married. Maybe she gets knocked up, maybe she doesn't. But a lot of women, after they get married and they come off birth control, they realize, huh, I don't really like this guy so much. I kind of like the alpha guy over there. Oh, look, there's Kevin in sales. Let's go talk to him.
0: (laughs) Kevin Mm. in sales. Shout out to Kevin, yeah. tapping everyone's girlfriend. I, I stay away from those <laughs> things
3: because I know those things are, it's like manually moving your hormones. And like, I even have exactly. issues taking like Advil just because you don't really know necessarily like what's going on inside of those pills. So, mm. so I stay I guess, away from it. I
0: them. guess the next question is Richard, how can you balance being a traditional man and but dealing with modern women today? Because it's not like we can go back in time and, 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 and reinvent women and be like, all right, I want you to be more feminine and uh, more friendly and fit and all the good stuff that we're used to, uh, how we want women to be. We're dealing with with modern women today. And whether that's a good thing or a bad thing, we can address, but we are dealing with women of today. Mm -hmm. How can a, a traditional alpha man, or even just a normal man, balance living their life and dealing with modern women?
1: Oh man, that's that's a long conversation too. Hours on I that. wish we had um, more time. Um, are you bro, talking a about hour. a traditional man in the sense of like like the like the trad, tradcon avatar kind of like a Matt Walsh sort of guy?
0: No, like uh, just a guy like you and me. We're out there, you know. We we we. we we're making money well, guys like
1: you and me understand the way things work my friend oh. right like we've that unplugged from the matrix sort of thing so you true. know for guys like you and me it's okay well let's not invite chaos into our life stay away from women with loads of red flags with mm-hmm. daddy issues it's been mm-hmm. run through by a bunch of guys covered mm-hmm. in tattoos like you know these are things that we are smart enough to look for so we don't complicate our lives unnecessarily mm-hmm. but I mean a lot of the times like I'll give a guy my book or I'll just say hey you know opt into my email list and get the 20 red flag chapter and mm-hmm. they get mad it's like well there's no women if we just you know like if I have to vet them all with these 20 here then I'm never gonna get a girl rich okay well that's that's the reality of society today the reason why I give you these tools is so that you can see them for what they are understand them and then you know adapt accordingly but what they don't seem to understand is, well, if that's all that you see, then that's all that you are worth. Mm. Do more work on yourself. Become more competent. You know, learn more about game. Learn more about, you know, whatever it is that you got to sort of fix in your life. Maybe you're boring as shit. I don't know. But <laughs> if all you see is 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 20 red flags in every single woman that you talk to, there's something wrong with you. Mm-hmm. I'm in an LTR. My gal's great. There's lots of women out there that don't have red flags. Do the work on yourself and they will become available to you.
0: Yeah. Speaking of being a boring as shit, what's the the That's the good. famous phrase or quote, I've heard you say this before, about being boring and how women perceive boring men?
1: You can do anything to women except bore them, right? Exactly. Like you have to be captivating <laughs> as a man, right? Like when, when you've got money, then I would assume that you're doing cool shit. I mean, there's a absurd number of guys that have like that are weapons in business they built incredible businesses They make lots of money but it's like you know Well, what do you do for fun I um, I like watching Netflix series really like that's what you do for fun nice. like you don't you don't travel you don't have a a boat you don't like planes you don't like fast cars like you don't do anything interesting that you can say hey babe you know we're going on a supercar rally for the afternoon down to the winery you want to come in my McLaren Oh yeah, like women like that kind of stuff. Be interesting. It's not that difficult.
0: Mm, yeah, that is. And true. if she asks, well, Richard, I would go, but what color is your McLaren yeah. before I go? <laughs> That's a red flag right there. It's like just get in the fucking McLaren. Shut your mouth. Um, so maybe a better question is, how can men vet women better? Because listen, uh, full disclosure, I'm not a car guy. I'm not. I don't have hobbies. I'm not doing rock climbing. I'm not going mountain climbing. I live in South Beach. I don't go surfing. I don't collect baseball cards. I like to do three things. I like to hang out with my homies. I like to make money and do shit. I like to hang out with hot chicks. Period. End of story. You now know Saws. So um, we men have a weakness for pretty women. No doubt. Whether they're... You know right for you or wrong for you men have this weakness this mm-hmm. is how civilization continues to prevail is because men have babies and children so I guess my question when it comes to vetting women uh, what women should men steer clear of no matter what especially mm. in a long-term relationship and if you do want a long-term relationship what type of women should you pursue or run towards in your life so who should you avoid and who should you go towards as a man
1: I would recommend avoiding any of the women that have a, a load of red flags that aren't being worked on. So mm. if you don't know what the red flags are, it's in my book. You don't have to get the book. You can opt into my email list and get it for free. Just go to my channel, and it's it's there. Or maybe the um, admin team can put it below in the uh, video. Yeah. Um, so that's really what you should be vetting for. But let's say, you know, for example, she's the kind of gal that has um, like an addictive personality to shopping, and she realizes mm. that she has a shopping addiction. She likes going and buying three lamps. She brings them home, tries them out beside the bedside table. They don't work out. So she has to return them. And this is what she does with her weekends. Mm-hmm. Well, if she recognizes that that's a problem and that she has an addictive personality and it, and it, and, it, and it takes care of her free time and she's doing something about it, that's good. Okay. It's a red flag that she's identified, but now she's taking ownership for it and she's doing something for it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So just having the red flag may not be a complete deal breaker. I mean, a deal breaker would be she's covered from head to toe in tattoos. Mm-hmm. OK, uh, mm-hmm. there's not much that you can do about that, for example. But some of the red flags are fixable if they take ownership for it. The second part to that was you were saying what kind of women yeah, to invite what, into your so, life. So
0: like any girls with tattoos, high body counts, addictive personalities, shopaholics, Course, yeah. materialistic. Um, my favorite is uh, high maintenance women. Stay the fuck away from those men, uh, women, gentlemen. Uh, so you we can't know what we'll Adam. What's that? <laughs>
1: You can't handle me, gals, right?
0: <laughs> Maybe you're not Those man ones? enough for me, Richard, that whole deal. Um, yeah. So we know who to avoid. Who, what type of women should a man gravitate towards or at least pull into their gravitational, gravitational world?
1: Well, I think if you vet for the red flags, you're going to be left with a far better pool of women to choose from. Right. And, you know, then you want to look for women that are more agreeable. They're going to be a compliment to your life. Like if you're a man on a purpose, you're on a mission, you're doing something, you're putting a dent in the universe. And if I text my girl and she's heading over and I say, hey, you know, can you grab a bottle of wine? You know, dinner will be ready or, you know, I got dinner ordered. It's going to be here at a certain time. And she picks up a bottle of wine or she asks, you know, which one do I want sort of thing or or like, you know, she's compliant, like she's helpful. Right. Um, You know, she sees it. You know, laundry needs to be done. And she's, oh, okay, you know, let me take care of that. I'll throw the load, load of the machine and give you a hand sort of thing. Like women that are useful in your life mm-hmm. are a far better choice than women that are like, well, I'm not going to do anything. I don't cook. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um You know, to me, that would be a red flag. You know, a woman that's not owning her feminine frame. There There's a buddy of mine that I've known for a long time, and he calls these blue jobs and pink jobs. And he says one of the reasons why his marriage is so successful is his wife does the pink jobs and he does the blue jobs. Mm. She's not out cutting the grass. She's in the kitchen preparing dinner for the family Mm -hmm. while he cuts the grass sort of thing. Right. So, you know, if you identify these, you know, more traditional roles that sort of serve with what we're interested in, what we're good at, then that's then that's a woman that you might want to consider saying, oh, she looks like she might be good mother stock.
0: Yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're identifying, you know, vetting women and identifying the type of women that you should steer clear of and the women that you, you should avoid versus the women that you should have in your life. The more and more I think about this kind of stuff, you know, this is a financial podcast that really highlights how money affects dating, relationships, who you marry, all that fun stuff. The more and more mm-hmm. I have these conversations with bright, you know, philosophers like, like yourself, the more I realize that like the same terminology and money also applies to dating as example you want a woman in your life who is an asset not a liability Mm -hmm. right and Mm -hmm. and and that's a lot of times what these red flags in women is they create chaos in your life they become a liability versus someone who's useful willing to do the pink jobs so to speak while you can do the blue jobs and she's an asset in your life and that's how you can grow your kingdom um we got about 20 minutes left with the great richard cooper uh, so I want to c- handle or um, well, uh, um, address a couple more things. By the way, real quick, staying on this, you know, women, uh, have you ever done anything with Coach Greg Adams, by the way? No. Okay, great dude. Uh, uh, some guy that, one of the things that, I, that he said to me is that you got to protect your meat. Have you ever heard this? Your money, your energy, your attention, and your time. That's kind of the, his thing. Um, women, especially these days, are getting a lot of attention and validation from men on social media, whether it's Instagram, or Tick Thought, or uh, even OnlyFans. Um, and some of these girls, as you'll, I'm sure, admit, Richard, they look good, brother. They look real good, okay? They got, you mm-hmm. know, not the not the traditional sense of good, good heart. as, as, as <laughs> Dave Chappelle likes to say. I'm talking good, like they're wearing a turtleneck and the titties are popping out, like, this is good, the dress is half up. <laughs> I, I can't steal Chappelle's joke, but some of these women are ridiculously hot, especially on, on Instagram. What are the, 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 this is a major red flag, but uh, what's your advice on men pursuing women with a million followers mm. on Instagram or that are doing the booty pics mm-hmm. on TikTok? What's your advice <laughs> for men in, in regarding these types of uh, clout chasers and Instagram tottery out there?
1: Well, they're simps. I mean, there's there's no way around it. If if there's an unfair exchange because attention is the coin of the realm for women, she's getting free unlimited attention from all these guys, then what does he get in return? Now, this is where guys start to sign up for things like OnlyFans or they okay. subscribe to some Amazon whistlist list or some, some garbage like that. But they're simps. I mean, I don't follow any thoughts on any social media platforms. Mm. Um, I don't DM them. I don't message them. Like, why? You know, for what? Um, it doesn't make any sense to me, but I understand. Like, they're thirsty for beautiful women, and there's lots of beautiful women out on these platforms, and they they sell. You know, they sell, Pick like, sex sells. It's, it's, it's always sold, right? And the younger you are, the healthier you are, the more you're going to be interested in that. You're never going to get away from that. I mean, I wouldn't touch a woman that had a prolific social media account with a 10-foot pole. I mean, look, maybe if she's a social media uh fitness influencer and that's what she's always done her entire life and she's a total compliment to my life and has none of the red flags sort of thing Mm -hmm. then i might let her maybe but for the most part uh i wouldn't deal with a woman that's got a public social media you know it's got to be private Mm -hmm. yeah or non-existent Mm
0: -hmm. or non-existent yeah Yeah. that's some of the uh the problem those are the better girls
1: right what's that those are always the better girls, the girls with either private or non-existent social media. Profiles. You know, Richard, I,
0: I, I, I'm i learning that the hard way, my friend. Let's just leave it there. <laughs> Some we'll of these girls there, out Adam. there, they'll get you. They'll get you there. Uh, But, Uncle you know, will they, get you there's there, right? reciprocity, though. It's not like I'm um, not getting a message back, so to speak. Um, last couple of things here. This, this has gone way quicker than I would have liked. Um, one of the, the, you know, everyone has their introduction to the red pill. Or the manosphere and for me that started with uh, well unbeknownst to me because I think I've been experiencing this and knowing this just working in the Miami nightlife in my 20s I very much understood what rolling up to a club with three of your buddies was versus rolling with three girls so underlying mm-hmm. I understood this but where I where I kind of like entered the Manosphere space was probably in 2020, and Patrick Bad david gave me a book that he didn't want to read, ironically. Mm. And it was basically, uh, the premise was hypergamy and understanding hypergamy and the act of dating up. And I know this is something that you're very well equipped to discuss. So uh, I've heard you say uh, in no uncertain terms that essentially intersexual dynamics and everything they talk about in the red pill space, hypergamy is just understanding and accepting female nature. And and you you had to learn the hard way that women are not sugar and spice and everything nice. And 80% of women are going after the top 20 guys. So in your opinion, what should men fully, fully understand about hypergamy and uh, female nature?
1: Uh, Well, hypergamy is a straightforward concept. It's just that all that it really means is that women date across and up on the socioeconomic scale. So they want the best guy that they can possibly get. So if she's waking up every morning and she's looking at you, Adam, and she's like, Oh, I love this guy. He's the best I can do. He's so hot. He takes care of the family. He's such a great, you know, whatever. Then she, Kevin and sales has no effect on her whatsoever. The guy's invisible. Most men are, are practically invisible to a woman that's, pair bonded health in a healthy way to a guy that she sees as her hi- hypergamous best option. Mm. This is where a lot of the guys, you know, go completely wrong. Cause they're like, Oh, women are hypergamous. I'll never be loyal to you. Blah, blah, blah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's pointless. No, if, if she's pair bonded with her best option, most guys are practically invisible to her. Right. Um, so it's a pretty bond? straightforward just be, concept.
0: Just to be clear, not, what is pair bond? How would you define that? Well, you're
1: not going to be able to get a woman to pair bond with you. That's been through a hundred guys. Let's be honest. I mean, the data is very, very clear on it. The more promiscuous a woman has been, the more guys that she's with, the less likely she is to be happy in a marriage or stay in a marriage over a long-term basis. So, um, yeah, you want to deal with women with very low to no notch counts, you know, Mm -hmm. obviously. So there's that. As far as other virtues of women... Sorry, what was the second half of the question?
0: No, just uh, understanding hypergamy and female nature, all-encompassing.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, I think it's understanding slash accepting because a lot of guys will understand and then they'll just go into a, like a rage, you know, face and they never really come out of it. Mm-hmm. And it's like, OK, well, I understand that if I don't continue to chase excellence in my life and I get fat, lazy, incompetent, I don't make money anymore. I'm not able to pay, you know, bills or, you know, they come and repossess my house or, you know, something like that. My gal will probably bounce. Right. Like she like she'll have tolerance for only so long. Um, you know, and then at some point she'll probably bounce. And that's just accepting what female nature really is. Another thing that you can accept as a guy is a woman's uh, solipsism. And all that really means is she can never see a man's struggle. Like she can never see a man's life or understand a man's life. Like this is one of the things that um, you know the Manoswamp tends to get terribly wrong. I don't call it the manosphere anymore. I call it the manoswamp because it's a bit of a train wreck. But there's a lot of gals in the mano swamp that are holding out to the public that you know they understand the plight of men, but they can't possibly understand the plight of men unless you've got a penis and male levels of testosterone and are a man. You'll never understand the stuff that guys do or have to put up with in a long-term relationship.
0: Yeah. Thanks, By the way, real quick, why did you why do you call it the mano swamp? I've never heard that. You said it's kind of screwed up these days. Used to be known as the manosphere. Now it's the mano swamp. Why is that?
1: Well. Look, the problem with the Mano Swamp is there's not a lot of good men that are in the Mano Swamp. There's not a lot of men that are good at being men, and there's not a lot of good men in the Mano Swamp. That's why you don't see me associate with much of it anymore.
0: Gotcha. Mm. Well, I'll, I'll, I'm honored that you're associating with us here on yes. Valentina at Southcast. So I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take that as a compliment. But I understand. It's, it's Well, easy. I have a lot of
1: respect for Patrick Beck David. So you know, the you. fact that you're in his inner circle has me look at you that way.
0: Thank you. You know, reputation, precision, power of association, respect. Um, Exactly. Thank you. You've often said that women will uh, break rules for alphas but make rules for betas. Mm. I guess two-part question. How does a man know if he's an alpha or a beta? And give me me some examples of the rules that they'll make and break for certain type of men.
1: Um, A man will know. there's no question about it. And you don't get to decide, you don't get to state I'm an alpha male or anything like that. (laughs) You just know because women sort of treat you that way. So, um, you know, when I say something like women break rules for alpha males and they make them for betas, again, this isn't me. This is just a concept that I've learned, you know, paying attention to what goes on out there and watching, you know, how men and women interact. And of course, you know what I learned spending time in the Mano Swamp. But um, so for example, like what's an example of a woman breaking a rule for an alpha male? Um, If a woman says, I don't do that, then you add with you at the end of it because she will do it for a guy that she deems is a high-value alpha male she can't afford to miss an opportunity to be with a high-status high-value guy Mm -hmm. right Mm. so you know if a guy on a second dates like well you know he invites her over and he wants to have sex with her and you know she says something like well i don't do that on the second date i have to i have an eight date rule sort of thing Mm. i wrote about this in my book i have an eight date rule sort of thing well that'll go out the window real quick if she sees you as an alpha male Mm. because she can't afford to let you go like she can't afford to let somebody else get you
2: Mm.
0: Yeah, let uh, David Beckham walk in the room, and she's all of a sudden that eight days so yeah. just went to eight minutes. Oh, it's yeah. just let, I've never done uh, that before. Let machine
1: gun Kelly walk into a room with one of these young gals that adores a guy like that, and yeah. it's like less than five, ten minutes. She'll be all over him like a fat kid on cake.
0: <laughs> I love it like a fat kid loves cake. Um, all right, um, last five, ten minutes. I know that you got to get get running, but I'm really enjoying this. I want to get your concept on marriage, Richard. Because you've you've said you've been married, divorced. Uh, I heard you said that um, men should not marry down, right? They should find women at their level. And, you know, this is kind of, I guess, counterintuitive, I guess, to hypergamy because women date across and up. Men tend to date lesser on the socioeconomic uh, hierarchical uh, chart and versus, you know, more focus on beauty. Um, So I guess, how much do you believe in marriage? What age should men get married? And who should men look to marry in the socioeconomic stratosphere?
1: Yeah, let me deal with that question about hypergamy and and what level to sort of date at. So I made this video a couple of years ago because a lot of guys were asking me questions about getting married in places that are hostile towards men. And like in Canada, you know, for example, if you get married to somebody that's about at your level, then, if you get divorced, then you're not going to have to deal with alimony because you kind of both make the same income, so there's no equalization payments to make there. Yeah. Also, if you have shared custody, then no money flows back and forth to either parent for, um, you know, taking care of the kid. It's mm-hmm. like you know, you can stand on your feet and he can stand on his feet, and you sort of just you know deal with things that way. So it's a bit of a buffer or an insurance policy, if you will. If you live in a place where rules are a little more hostile towards fathers, that's why I, w- I made that recommendation to don't date too far down because. You're the guy making a quarter million dollars a year as a senior accountant in the firm, and you wife up Becky, the hairdresser, who's making forty thousand dollars a year. If things go sideways, you know, five ten years down the road, and she wants to untie the knot, um, you're going to be in for a world of hurt, yeah. you know, for being honest. So there's that part to deal with. Uh, the the other components of marriage. You're asking who should get married, or yeah, well, sorry?
0: I, I I will ask the second part, but so. Just mm-hmm. to stay on the the example you gave, if you're making a quarter million dollars and you married the hairdresser making forty, I mean, how many women out there are making a quarter million dollars, and how much a how how much would you even be attracted to those type of women?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, look, um, I've. I've dated women that make that kind of money and they're one, they're not attractive. It's like, you know, dealing with a dude. It's like dealing with a dude with boobies, like, you know, for being honest, they act very masculine. They tend to be very masculine. They're not, they're not in their feminine whatsoever. Like they're not even close to it. I don't find them attractive whatsoever. So there's certain guys that kind of like that avatar. But I think when you get to the point where you don't need money, Mm -hmm. then Because women don't share their pot of gold with men, right? Like, we know this. Like, men are more than willing to improve a woman's life and invite them into it. Mm -hmm. And a rich man will change a broke woman's life, but a broke woman will never look the way of a poor man. Sorry, a rich woman would never look the way of a poor man. Right. right? So, you know, we operate very, very differently, you know, from that regard.
0: I think uh, 50 Cent famously once said, have a baby by me, be be a a millionaire." You know that song? (laughs) Yes. But, yeah, no woman says... Uh, I'll have your baby and I'll make you a millionaire, buddy. That, like, does not happen. Yeah. So, um, women
1: are not kingmakers. Exactly. They want to be with a king.
0: Aha. But Aha. they give birth to them. Uh, that's true. But uh, who was it? Uh, uh, Patrice O'Neill, famous quote. He said, You know, uh, a king marries a woman, she's the queen now, right?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. But
0: the queen marries a dude, he's not the king. It's just the Queen's husband. And that, my friends, is a metaphor for life. Prince Philip is a perfect example. Mm. Prince Philip. Yes. It's true. Um, So overall recommendation when getting married, meaning there's a lot of things you can do. So prenups, right? Understanding the courts. A lot of men are traveling abroad, getting out of Western societies, going to whether it's Colombia or Thailand. Or you know, yeah, the these Philippines. passport
1: bros, though, they do it completely wrong. Like they think leaving the West is going to solve their problems. But th- but if you're still a plugged-in beta male and you go to Colombia, you're still going to get destroyed, right? Yeah. You have yeah. to understand women. I mean, if you're going to be a passport passport bro, make sure you've unplugged and you're red pilled when you go to that next country, and you don't bring them back over here where the laws are hostile. You stay over there.
0: Hmm. Mm-hmm. So my because I know a lot of guys that do that or are considering that. Keep in mind I live in Miami. You know you're in Colombia. Mm-hmm. You're in uh, Costa Rica. Two three hours. Yep. Um, but my whole question to those guys is: Do you really want to go live in Colombia the rest of your life? Yeah. Do you really want to go be Costa Rican? It's like for, for good or for bad. Living in the U.S. or Canada, for that matter, pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. So. Vacation is much, one thing. How much do you know about the Canadian
1: guys that have families down in Cuba?
0: I do not know much about them, and I don't know much about Canada. I, I'm, I, you know, I, lo- I yeah, like the United so, States, but
1: yeah, so I can't the U.S. you because you Okay, well, I appreciate that. But the but the U.S. <laughs> has been off limits for travel for Cubans. You know, you know, for a long time, like they didn't travel, they didn't go vacation there. But a lot of Canadians figured out that it's not that far. It's close. Women are reasonably beautiful. Some are incredibly hot, and they've gone there and they've. And they've had families, but they don't bring them back. They mm. just leave them there and they send them money. Yes. Oh. And then they go back and visit when they want, especially in the wintertime when it's cold and crap here, and they'll you know they'll kind of go back and forth, right? But
0: right. well, Richard, this brings up a I guess a bigger question I wish we had more time for, which you can maybe do the next time. Isn't it important for a man to at least have some sort of influence and be near his kids? So you can be a passport bro, yeah. go bangs, you know, Sophia in Cuba or Martina in Colombia, have a great time, but now you're not around your kid. And I feel like that, to me, is kind of not what you wanna do as a man. And you're a father, who I assume spends a lot of time with his daughter, so you're very, you have a very, you know, ability to answer um, this question.
1: Yeah, I'm of the same opinion that, you know, as a father, you want to have an influence in your kids' lives. Like, that's one of the areas that I disagree with Andrew on, um, because he says, you know, you can just have kids and let her take care of them sort of thing. But um, like children from fatherless homes or mostly absent fatherless homes don't generally do that well in society. Um, I think Andrew is a remarkable guy, and he managed to figure it out in his circumstances. Uh, because he came from a single mother household and a a council estate and all that sort of stuff and he rarely saw his father even then when he was growing up Uh, but for most kids like they're not that exceptional right Mm -hmm. and if there's an absent father there's higher higher instances of uh teen gang activity teenage pregnancies shitty grades anxiety uh, suicide attempts successful suicides like you go right down the list you take the father out of the household you're gonna run into problems So. It's ideal to have the father around. I think for the first three to four years, it's not as significant. Like if you've got a small child, two, three, four years, you know, mom can take care of the kid for the most part. But I think where the father really needs to step up and play a role in the kid's life needs to be around four, five, six on sort of thing.
0: Yeah, I think ultimately, you know, circling back to the beginning of our conversation, Richard, is, you know, whether you're plugged or unplugged and you have your one life, you can make the decisions and you have to live with the decisions that you make. So, do you want to get married? If you do, are you getting a prenup? Are you marrying a woman in the West? Is she a modern woman? Is she a boss babe? Is she getting that bag? Is she a traditional mm-hmm. woman? If you're if you're knocking up a woman in, you know, Cuba or Colombia, it's like, what is the relationship now with the mother? These are things I think are important for you to ask up front and understand up front. Versus. Holy shit, I had I didn't see this coming. I can't believe the girl I married cheated on me with Kevin, for, Kevin from sales. Fuck Kevin, by the way. <laughs> and then, you know, so these are the things that I think are so important for a man to understand up front. I think that's a lot of what we're doing is education at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Male self-improvement, but it starts with um, education. I think that's what we're doing. Yes. Last question doing for God's you, work. Richard. What was that?
1: Doing God's work.
0: Doing God's work. Last question, and I said we'd circle back to this. One of my favorite things that uh, I've watched a ton of your content, uh, Real Talk. This is one of the beautiful things about the internet and social media is you can watch someone for years and years, you know, consume their content. Next thing you know, I'm doing an hour and a half interview with Richard Cooper. It's pretty damn cool. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you did... Um, uh, an entire episode on 19 things your father should have told you but never did. You recall mm-hmm. doing this a few years ago? I did that as a talk
1: at a conference. Is that yes. the one that you're making reference to? Yes,
0: at the 21 yeah. conference, I believe. Which okay, I think yeah. is very powerful. And um, without going down the 19, you said, uh, I mean, I'm kind of gonna have to because I want you to pick what you think are the most important two or three for men to, to latch Oof. onto. You said don't let don't let people make their problems your problems. Uh, you're not going to make an dent in the world working for somebody else. No ta- low, long-term re- relationships with attention-seeking women. There's no cheat codes to life. Avoid women with daddy issues. You got to learn to deal with rejection. Make a million dollars by 40. Don't long-term relationship with single mother. Treat life like it's the only one you got. The burden of performance mm-hmm. is 100% on you. Stop giving a to things that aren't f-worthy and. Um, haters are confused admirers there's such great advice here uh in your in your mind what are the two or three that stand out from these 19 things your father should have taught you but never did
1: i think they're all very powerful lessons so i really couldn't say which one would be the best i mean if you're if you're 20 years old it's going to be different you know from if you're a 42 year old guy like you adam um so it's whatever resonates with you you know is what i would say
0: well um in in my opinion, uh, at this point in my life, not uh, long-term relationship of a single mother. I almost went down that path. I mm. said, no, no, thank mm. you. Uh, we've, we've talked about making a million dollars by the time you're 40. Uh, but I think one thing that I, I actually want you to answer is this, is haters are confused admirers. Would you unpack that mm. a little bit? Because you know, and I know, the bigger you get and the more you put yourself out there, the more haters you will have. One of my favorite quotes ever mm. is... The poem or the anecdote by Teddy Roosevelt, the man in the arena, the credit goes for the man in the arena, actually with mud on his face, doing the work, not the asshole commenting on the other side of the phone or the computer. So why are haters confused admirers? And what should people know who are doing big things in their life should understand about having haters?
1: Yeah, if you're doing anything big in your life, you're always going to attract hate from somebody. Look, hate only ever comes from beneath. Nobody ever gets jealous of a loser, right? Um, You know, nobody, like, your haters are actually your best marketing team. So you guys will see it. Go watch the uh, comments of this video afterwards. I guarantee you're going to find hate in there about me or Rich, this, that, and the other thing. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, what color is your McLaren, buddy?
0: So, (laughs) look, um,
1: here's... Here's you know like here's the thing about hey is there a phenomenal market, marketing team because they never shut up about you they're always talking about you yes. they're talking about you in comments they're talking about you on social media to their friends they are an unpaid marketing team so thank you very much I appreciate that um, let them you know like let them spew their toxic venom it's it's what they do it, it's it's what makes them feel good but at the end of the day how is that a good use of your time right like. I would, I would ask haters right now to, to challenge themselves and say, how is this a good use of my time? How am I making more money? How am I becoming more competent? How am I becoming more influential? How am I you know, chasing things that I want to do in life? Have you always wanted to travel the world? Do you like fast cars, but you can't afford them? How is wasting time on hate achieving your goals? It's not. It's a colossal waste of your time. Like I don't sit there when I come across a cat video. Uh, about some dumb garbage and start uh, cats and you uh, I, I just don't care. <laughs> I don't care. Yes. I'm not interested, right? Yeah
0: So uh, No, well said I, I I think you're absolutely right hate never comes from up top It always comes from below people who are unsatisfied with their existence in life mm-hmm. their lot in life and they want to, uh You know rather than look in the mirror and say you got to improve buddy. They want to be like, oh, I hate that guy And that's the reason haters hate let's be honest
1: if i got if i got hate from a guy like elon musk let's say i would be flattered i would i would (laughs) want to listen to what he has to say yeah right Mm -hmm. like that like to me that would be wonderful Mm yeah right but for the most part it's just it's just jealousy and envy you know is what it ends up being and Mm -hmm. jealousy and envy are terrible emotions they just consume people
0: i think what you're saying is hate if hate comes from above you and elon musk I would view that as constructive criticism. Oh, shit. It's a compliment. Here's a guy that's paying attention to what I'm doing and actually wants to kind of weigh in on maybe ways I can improve Mm -hmm. or highlight things I can get better on. Thanks, Elon Musk. But when it's, you know, giggity 437, (laughs) an unnamed, uh, you know, bot on the Internet who's saying, I hate Richard Cooper and Adam Sazek. They're all losers. It's like... I'm, I'm going to take that compliment yes. with grace and class and say thank you for being a hater.
1: <laughs> I sleep well at night knowing that. I
0: will sleep well. Well, Richard, it's great to get to know you. It's by the For the record, what color is your McLaren?
1: Gray. Storm gray. Thank you. Storm gray. gray. Yeah, I mean, let's get that <laughs> out there. The I even the have the paint code.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you knew the paint code. Well, I'm going to go on record here and say I am a full-on appreciator and and admire what you do, Richard Cooper. Definitely the, the furthest thing from a hater. Mm-hmm. So it's great to spend some time with you. It's our first time actually meeting and speaking. Yes. And I, like I'm going to say, I'm a fan. I'd like to get to know you uh, uh, in person in Canada this summer. And I'll make sure to get in touch with you after the show. and We can collaborate offline, Sounds not good. just online. Yes. Thank you, Richard Cooper. By the way, where can everybody find you? Just give yourself a free plug right there. Not getting unplugged. I would free s- plug. <laughs> Yeah,
1: I would start at uh, richcooper.ca, which is my website, which will kind of lead you to everything. So just go there.
0: Okay, awesome. cool. Well, I appreciate you, Richard. Thank you for being on the Southcast on Valutainment. Yes, thanks, thank Adam. You. Appreciate it. Thank you, Richard Cooper. All right, awesome. Um, and then- unplug? Okay, we're staying on, though, because we're going to do a little debrief right here.
3: Okay, awesome.
0: Okay, so how you feeling, Nat?
3: I'm feeling great. I think are we still on Zoom. Oh, Richard, you're still yeah, what still do you still on? We need to go off? no i think so i'm not sure yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, gotcha. okay got it okay <laughs> um i loved it i thought it was phenomenal i think getting a perspective from someone like him was a little refreshing um i think also adding to it um, his stoicism you know you find yeah. a little bit more like as a woman men who are able to deliver a message in, in a non-emotional way, it's a little bit more like you feel a little bit more secure listening to someone like that. Hmm. Um, I think a, one thing that really stuck with me, I'm a little disturbed about, um, was the water. Oh, the yeah, estrogen what was in the, about? I don't know. I'm like, I cook pasta with faucet water. Maybe I shouldn't do that anymore. <laughs> hey, but he
0: said estrogen. That's fine for I you. I know, but I'm, I should be I very wary of But when water. I have,
3: like, you know, if I'm cooking for, like, you know, someone and that's what they eat like you have to be mindful of that so i think like being in tune and understanding where those things come from um is really really important and um it's cool that he's also from canada so that's also another perspective um to get you know because we get a lot of people who are more in the the u.s yeah um so it was interesting i really enjoyed
0: him it's you know Richards has a very interesting so i've consumed his content for years by the way thank you guys for uh everyone out there watching the show who watched the show yes uh if you would do a couple different things number one if you haven't subscribed to Tainment or Tainment money hook us up with a subscribe this is what yes. we do here and if there's a couple thousand people watching whatever it is yes. we would love for you to like the video make so sure we can, to like it so the algorithms the big tech guys out there know that people actually like this yeah so that's number one number two if you would Give us the, your your best takeaway from what Richard Cooper had to say. What a yeah. total G. What yeah. a total stud. He's been in this space for years, I think, since uh, 2013, 2014. Mm-hmm. So he's seen people come and go. Yeah. What I found interesting with Richard, I'll tell you this. I've never heard anybody say the man of swamp.
3: Yeah, me neither. Okay? I so, like you know
0: that. Donald Trump, love him or hate him, he made famous drain the swamp. Yes. Right? Everything Trump did was three words. Build yeah. the wall, lock her up, <laughs> drain three. the swamp, power of three. Uh, but it's very interesting. It's kind of like he's, because he's in Canada and because obviously during COVID, you couldn't really travel. There's restrictions and they had major restrictions in in, in Canada. He doesn't do a lot of interactions with people in the manosphere mm. or in the red pill community. So he has the ability to kind of sit back and be like, yes. "Huh, this guy's credible. I like what he's doing. That's a scumbag right there. Yes. He's obviously in it for the money. Can't trust him. Don't believe him. All right, this guy, all right, he's on to something. Maybe don't agree with him, but I respect him. Like he has that ability to kind of sit back and pick and choose mm-hmm. who he agrees with, disagrees with, and associates with. Yeah. Major compliment that he admires Patrick Bet David and yes. by default, your boy Saz over here. <laughs> but very interesting how he kind of Indirectly called out some of the players in the in the red pill space and in the manosphere and for the record I do a ton of content with these guys. Mm -hmm. I have major respect for really everyone who comes on I I don't I can't really think of anyone that comes on or I'm like I will never have them on again Or they're classless or anything like that, but he's he's um he's a different dude You know he's late 40s early 50s like he said Mm -hmm. he's not doing a lot of content with the Red Pill Creators, and he's in Canada, so he can kind of, he's also very stoic, yes. very manly, mm-hmm. very um, logical actor. So it's interesting to see his perspective. Mm-hmm. how do you kind of, when he said that, I was like, hold on, did you just call them swamp creatures? <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, what, yeah. What, what would you just say? What, what was your take from that? Um,
3: for me, I I admire that. I feel like especially when you're bring when some of the people have been doing content for so many years before all of this kind of blew up, um, they really get a chance to sit back and see how everybody's, you know, giving out this content. You can kind of feel you know, you can kinda of feel who's like BSing, who's not really themselves, who's kind of just going with the rise of the content. And I think when you have people who are a little bit more authentic and they maybe not don't interact with everybody who's talking about it. It allows you to get a little bit more of a a fair perspective. Um, so for me, I think sometimes, especially today with all of this manosphere and all this red pill, I think Calling out some of the people in that space is necessary, mm. um, and it's not so much to criticize. It's so much. It's more sort of think like, hey, maybe I'm not coming from an authentic place. Maybe I don't have all the factors. Maybe I just want to go with the clout, you know? So I think when you have people who are a little bit more on the authentic end, they're a little further back viewing. You get to have more of like a bird's eye view with all of this content being pushed out, and um, I've loved all the guests we've had on but there's also different perspectives of each of the guests we do have on Mm -hmm. and there is strength in that and you know this podcast is a podcast to have all those different views and everybody in the audience you know you guys you guys get to pick who you like who you don't like and that's essentially like what you do here what we do here is allowing the audience to pick and choose who do you guys like who do you want to follow what is it that you love about this person what is it that you hate about this person but i think overall getting a chance to get a bird's eye view of everything you really get to pick who you are and he kind of touched on that was you know it depends what you want as a woman like what do you want as a man what do you want do you want to get married do you not want to get married have you been divorced you have how do you move accordingly after that so i think i personally find a little bit more confidence in men like that just because you don't really like talk too much with the crowd you mm. more talk out of your experience and i prefer that i like experience i'd like those type of perspectives um the entertainment comes for the people who like to you know get on the little wave of the cloud and all that but at the end of the day if you're asking me who would i want my man to take advice from it would be someone like that getting Mm -hmm. more of a bird's eye view um but i kind of like it i think you should call people out when they're on their bs and i think he would be the guy to do it so
0: well he i I know you like that strong silent type who's yes uh, you know, not the sigmas out there, not I the, do. the alphas. The, um, what, what, what I'll say to him and I'll say to anybody that kind of gets to his level or mm-hmm. Patrick's level or Elon Musk for that matter, any, any someone who's made it is one of the things that we always say here, uh, one of the more famous quotes that Patrick talks about, we talk about at Valuetainment is, outwork, out improve, Oof, out, out strategize. strategize but the most important thing is outlast. Yes. If you can do all that, you know, some people are fly-by-night, some people are get-rich-quick, some people are microwave-success-type culture. It's, you know, you, you let your success speak for itself. And if you're doing this and you're in this space, whether if it's in, in this space, whether it's in the business space, whether it's in the media space, mm-hmm. whether it's in nightlife, whatever business you're in, and you're in it for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, mm-hmm. that's outlasting. And yeah. then obviously you're going to have to outwork, outprove, outstrategize and uh, that's a clear indication with that. Yeah, I got my friend Malik over here. Malik, he's as swaggy as it gets. He's Yay. he's a Sigma. With he's a style,
3: Sigma. Malik had that style. Malik
0: has major Always. style. Don't even get me started on that, Malik. You sometimes you're, you're 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 kind of the silent dude. You don't talk too much unless spoken to it. Let me tell you. Let me tell you something about Malik, by the way. I uh, the other day he's breaking down Pat's uh, or setting up for a Pat shoot, mm. and it was you and Mike in the room. Remember this? This was like a week ago. I want to say. And Malik's usually a very positive dude, Mm. very positive, never a bad attitude, shows up, works, does his thing, right? If you speak to him, he'll he'll talk to you, but he's not going to be very, like, rambunctious, loud, like other people in the office, I was
2: like, myself, (laughs) Um, but,
0: but, but he's always got a good attitude, but there was something about Malik that one day where I was like, What's up? You're not yourself. Like, you're being a little quieter than usual. Yeah. Like, you're a little more sour than usual. Mm. What's up? How you feeling? He's like, oh, I'm good. What's up? I go, scale of 1 to 10, how's your day? Mm. He's like, say, an 8. Mm. I was like, an 8. Because I thought he'd be like, yeah, bro, today's like one of those days. It's like a yeah. 3 or 4 shit. I said, why is it an 8? And his response was so amazing. He's like, look, uh, I woke up today. Let's just start with that. He's like, I I, I I, have my health, I have my family, I have my gratitude, I got my limbs, I'm working, I'm at a place I want to be. He's like, there's not a lot for me to complain about. And I'm like, go head, Malik. Go Malik. And like, I wasn't having the best day ever. Mm. And I just kind of went, I was just like, what's up? And, yeah. he's, and I was like fuck malik just turned my day around
3: yes and then i
0: asked big mike i'm like how's your day he's like 10 bro 10 what's up i'm like yeah yeah, yeah. No, no. too
3: late too late yeah yeah too late too late
0: but anyway yeah. malik you, you know you're sitting here watching this show i know you're the type of guy that's you're you listen to things all right cool when should i get married what should i do make money all right million bucks here's that all right rich said this all right what colors you're McLaren. bing 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 what was your takeaway from today's episode and more importantly takeaways are cool what have you learned sitting in on these types of shows that you can apply to your life because you're 26 now yeah 26 26 Mm. um your birthday is november yeah november right
2: November. i know malik okay uh what did
0: you learn today what have you learned and what are you applying to your life uh well one thing first thing i'll start off with
3: the first thing that stuck with me was the 80 percent rule Mm. about the goals because like It's always, like, a thing to always strive to accomplish 100% of my goals. But it's, like, if you accomplish them, it's like, now what? You know? Like, you you hit the ceiling. It's like, where do you have to go from there? Mm -hmm. So, like, I like that to, like, even set a huge, far, out-of-reach goal. Like, even if you come up short, you still made it further than that initial ceiling that you placed
0: upon yourself. Yeah, my friend Alex, if he's watching this, Alex Goldstein, if you ever watch this or anyone that knows him, Big Realtor, Miami, great dude, every time he does... He probably doesn't even think I know this, but I know this. Anytime he does a social media post, he writes in massive letters, scary, massive goals. Mm. That's like his hashtags. And the kids killed it. So anyway, so respect. So uh, hitting your goals, but having scary, massive goals. What else? What have you applied that you've learned here since you've been on Valuetainment or watching any of our shows? Oh, I would definitely say Chase Money, not uh, Chase Excellence, not Women. Okay. I thought he was about to say FBGF. It's like, (laughs) Relax, pump the brakes. Um, But this has been good. Thank you for being in in on this today. Mm -hmm. Um, This is one of those episodes where it's like, it's it's Friday. We're wrapping up for the weekend. We had the great Richard Cooper on. We had Brian Callen on this week. Justin Waller on yesterday. With a great panel. Busy week It's this like, week. it took Malik. You know, our friend Malik, who's been, what is it? Has it been a year? Have you been in a year yet? It's about to be soon. It's Ooh, about to be. Me too. It took Malik. Yeah, this is three years for me. Nice. Um, Ten years, almost 11 years of knowing Pat. It took Malik, just on a random day, breaking down a set to be like, brother, what do I have to complain about? Yeah. I got my health. I'm alive. Gratitude. I got my limbs. You probably never even thought I thought twice twice about that conversation, but I think about that. Mm. Exactly. Anyway uh guys yes. that is it is there anything we need to address or can um, i wrap up i'll
3: give some shout outs to the super chats i know we had um some chats today not too many but we did get some nice donations so thank you all for the super chats make sure you guys like comment and subscribe to the channel um this I- is
0: nat's rant right yeah, now this is my let's rant go. let's go is to learning it. how to read hooked on phonics work phonics. for me she's doing it i'm doing it we all it. know she's got a million dollar smile but she's learning how to read for you like guys. a million dollar entrepreneur <laughs> yes
3: yeah, let so, them know nat so the first one is my favorite because there's nothing Thing to read <laughs> it's just a donation thank you ollie for the 20 dollars
0: <laughs> three, I mean, words. No words. <laughs>
3: three letter name yeah. you're my guy i love it um and then we actually do have a little bit of a hater in the chat um from andrino he said richard cooper um uh he goes gal. Go, uh, he's a little bit of a hypocrite a scam artist and the last person to get advice from um. So that is one of the haters. We also have. He is a single mom hater from, and he doesn't like Coach Greg Adams. So you brought that up, and he probably just does not feel. Oh, that really? Out. Okay. Yeah. Um. But thanks for the super chats. We appreciate you. And then we got ayo stupid. Appreciate you. Uh, $5, keep it up. We love it. Um, and that's it for the Super Chats today. We appreciate all of you guys. And thank you for giving us these chats so you can help me with my reading. Thank I you, really Richie's enjoy it. Thank you, for helping
0: with the reading. And I, I'm just going to put a public service announcements, PSA. I don't know where our friend Beaten Cheeks is today. Yeah, Beaten Cheeks. But Beaten Cheeks. Where are you at? And where's yeah.
3: Happy, Beaten Cheeks? We're yeah. missing you guys in here. Yeah.
0: Well, with that being said, it's the weekend. And I got to go beat beat some up Cheeks up. <laughs> uh guys thank you so much we are doing this every thursday and friday yes um if you would if you would what guests should we get on next yeah, i want to get some below. more crowd feedback we we get guests here we get big we names do. whether it's on my show pbd show jed yeah. the whole thing give if us some guests that there, will do
3: some challenging you we'll know like give us some to them of those and guests. bring them on here yeah like this is a perfect platform for people from with different perspectives to challenge yes. each other, um, and you know we want to provide that for you guys here. So give us some guests that you mm. like, guests that you don't like, people you want to see, people you've never seen, um, because we want to provide some value for you guys okay. in that way.
0: Well, here's last but not least, only because I'm watching this and the lighting is incredible. Yes. Can you put the camera on this beautiful girl real quick? Thank you, Nat. Nat, smile it's <laughs> and tell the people.
3: I spent a lot of money on them. They're, they're missing.
0: <laughs> if they don't subscribe and like the video go ahead let them know what they need to do guys
3: if you don't subscribe to the channel you're not only missing the sauce man okay you're missing all the money content we got on here you're missing PBD value tame in general and let me tell you we're just getting started when it comes to the content here so if you're not subscribed make sure you guys subscribe share the video I know nobody shares videos anymore I don't know what that's about Mm. but we got to start sharing the video so make sure you guys do that Um, and look out because we uh, do have a nice beautiful set and there are many Mm. exciting things headed this way so we will see you guys soon and thank you guys for tuning in today we love you and have a phenomenal weekend mm. and save that money now. Save that let's money. Let's get
0: some of that smoke going the wrong way. By the way, if you're not the type of guy that likes pretty, amazing, awesome girls, With good teeth. let's get a close-up on this gorgeous black man right here. Malik. Malik. Oh. oh, he's got Hey-o. good teeth too. <laughs> Let's get those smokes machines going out here. It's Friday. You can even speed on the highway. Be safe out there. Yes. Uh, don't do anything I wouldn't do, which isn't a lot. Yes. But be safe. Call your mom. Tell your girl you love her or, you know, you want to beat them cheeks, whatever. (laughs) Whatever it is. Thank you guys for being with us today on another episode of the SazCast. We appreciate you. Enjoy the weekend. We'll see you next time. We out. Love you. Save that money, gentlemen.